and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life, the beginning of those seasons of mist and mellow fruitfulness when many are starting school again, going back to university or college, starting to study the photographic medium for the first time or to continue teaching it or perhaps even teaching it for the first time. Regular listeners will know that I'm no great fan of the photographic forum of any kind. I always seem to get into trouble on them. But anyway, uh, there is one that I remain uh, a member of on Facebook where I occasionally post or look at things. And uh, I recently saw uh, an academic, somebody who teaches photography up in Scotland, uh, commenting on another comment which was made by uh, a photographer, extremely well-known photographer and former academic, Paul Hill. And um, the person commented, uh, it was a comment, I suppose, really about, you know, this moral thing of, is it appropriate, I suppose, in a sense, to make promises, maybe false promises to young students about the possibilities and the realities of working as a professional photographer? Anyway, um, I posted on there a link that I'd written uh, to an article that I'd written uh, a number of years ago, I think now, about this kind of moral conundrum and how I perceive it. And somebody uh, responded to my link and they said this, no great band studied music. I think the whole concept of art education is flawed. Institutions teach canons, rules and conformity. Johnny Lydon, Shane McGowan, Morrissey, Tom Waits didn't learn nout, sat in a classroom looking at a board. Well, I responded to this with some believe in education and some don't. Uh, I do for more reasons than you have listed. The person came back to me immediately. I learnt the technical stuff. Uh, ISO, aperture, shutter, etc. and darkroom skills. I totally agree with teaching technical skills. Unfortunately, none of that is worth nada anymore. And AI robots can invent better picks than you or me. Or Henri Cartier-Bresson. Que sera, sera. Well, so much to pick over there, of course. Uh, slightly presumptuous, I think, to uh, presume that Lydon, McGowan, Morrissey and uh, Waits never learn anything at school. I'm sure they learned many things. But what they may not necessarily have learned are specific things connected to photography that this per particular person seems to think are important. These are actually things like darkroom skills, which I think, to a certain extent, belie uh, that person's age and their understanding of where we are with photography at the moment. Somebody else then got back and sort of said, you know, this is about visual language. This is about all the things that we talk about on this podcast and hopefully uh, you respond positively to and uh, they may challenge you, you may not agree with them, but at least you can see them as uh, reasoned arguments and, and reasoned positions to hold. As we begin that new kind of academic um, year that we're just coming into at this time now, might be for our children, ourselves, as I said, uh, might be for friends or what have you. I think it's really important as to have realistic expectations as to what is required uh, in photography. And as I've always said, you know, I have zero technical uh, training 
in photography. I have zero uh, training on anything to do with the darkroom. Uh, I have even less to do with critical theory around photography. I'm completely self-taught. Anything I know is because I've tried to work it out for myself. That doesn't mean to say that education is a bad thing. I'm a big fan, obviously, of education, and I think learning is hugely important. But I think what the photographer today has to understand is that that learning, that training, that education is not what it was 20, 30, 40 years ago. This week, we welcome to the podcast a photographer, I suppose, in a sense of the old school, but it is very much in the present. Who am I talking about? Well, Born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio, Ave Pildas worked as a photo stringer for Downbeat magazine in the Ohio Valley and Pennsylvania in the 1960s. In 1971, he began working as the art director at Capitol Records in Hollywood. Wow, what a gig! And designed and photographed album covers for the label's recording artists. He then launched a career as a freelance photographer and designer soon after, specialising in architectural and corporate photography. His photographs have been exhibited in one-man shows at the Contemporary Arts Centre Cincinnati, Photographers Gallery London, Janus Gallery Los Angeles and Gallery Diaframa in Milan and also numerous group shows. Photographs by Pildas are included in the collections of the Museum of Modern Art New York, the Biblioteca Nationale uh, Paris, the University of Arizona also, as well as numerous other public and private collections. He is a Professor Emeritus at Otis College of Design, Los Angeles, and currently lives in Santa Monica, CA, California, in a solar-powered, zero-scaped home and studio He collaborated on with W3 Architects. He is digitally archiving his vintage work and continues with new projects while mentoring young talent. And now he's going to tell us what photography means to him in under five minutes. Hi, Dr. Scott and listeners. Thank you for having me on your podcast. You know, I've never thought about what photography meant to me, but I've been thinking about it a lot lately. It's meant a lot to me. It's given me my voice and certainly a boost to my confidence. And I say that because I was always trying to be the best at what I did and often didn't meet those goals or expectations that I set up for myself. Even though I've always been motivated and tried to excel in what I did, often with good results, I still felt inadequate. When I was a kid, I was a good athlete, but never the best. Or as a musician, I was never going to be as good as my heroes. Even in my professional career as a successful designer, always thinking, is this the best that I can do? So I always felt a little uncomfortable with who I was and what I had done. I was always solving other people's problems, especially as a designer. And when I didn't get the images I needed from my clients, I began taking the pictures myself. This was my transition to commercial photography. So let's take a little step back. I began taking pictures in art school, so I wasn't a novice to photography. While working for other people, I continued taking pictures for myself, just things that I was interested in because I'm curious. For instance, pictures of animals, architecture, fashion, nudes, 
or even people on the street. I was getting better as a photographer and feeling better about myself. My photographs began categorizing themselves, and I realized that I had a point of view and that the photographs were good. Wow, now I have a voice. I use that voice to show people what I see, the strange, humorous, beautiful, and to make political statements like taking pictures of marginalized people, homeless vets, and people on Skid Row, also of the LGBTQ plus movement. I wouldn't say that I was a journalist, but an observer, and I was able to show people what I see. Then my photographs started connecting with other people galleries, magazines, publishers, and museums. I finally got some recognition. I've always loved books, and I have four books published by major publishers, and I publish my own, smallphotobooks.com, of subjects that I like. Being a photographer taught me to be humble, observant, aggressive, compassionate, aware, and patient, and really helped me with my interaction with people. Then I would say once all these things came together, it was kind of a rebirth and I woke up having confidence and a voice. Photography has been very good to me, especially now since I'm doing my own work. As a creative person, I've always tried to push the envelope to look for where my photos might take me. For instance, to expand my interest in a subject, meet new friends, publish, travel and exhibit. My photography is a full-time job, and I love it. At 84, I have no plans to retire. Once again, I'd like to thank you, Dr. Scott, for this opportunity to tell my story. Thank you, Abe, for telling your story. And uh, proof there, of course, that whatever age you are, there is no reason to kind of close down and uh, start to become negative about the medium of photography. So thanks very much, Abe, for uh, that considered response to the question that we've been asking now for many years. And it never ceases to amaze me how different and yet how similar uh, the responses are there are so many strong themes that come forward as always if you're not aware of Ave's work google him check him out i'm sure you will not be disappointed as everybody knows who listens regularly this is not a podcast that is planned as far as content is concerned there's so certainly no kind of editorial running order or uh, prior research i think my approach to the regular conversation with bill shapiro uh, proves that and by the way just whilst we, i mentioned bill uh, thanks very much once again for all of your positive messages around our recent conversation concerning the pivot uh, pivot Part two will be coming out in a few weeks' time. Anyway, I was talking about the idea of the uh, lack of, I suppose, planning for this podcast every week. It really is thrown together. Sorry if it sounds like that. But uh, interestingly, that Ave was talking about heroes, and that was something else I wanted to talk about this week. I really don't have a problem with the word heroes or having heroes. I have many heroes, and I would quite happily admit that they're all flawed in different ways. I suppose really for me it's Lenny Bruce, it's Evelyn War, it's uh, Bob Dylan. 
Uh, it's Joni Mitchell, it's Nina Simone, it's so many different people, that was just off the top of my head, that really inform me as to kind of how to do things and they challenge my perceptions of things. And I think that that's a really good thing. But unfortunately, I do find that nowadays a lot of people seem to feel that having a hero is a negative thing. I don't think it is. I tie it with ambition as being two of the really important factors that you really need if you want to be a photographer. I mentioned a few weeks ago that there are some events coming up um, that you might be interested in in attending. And one of them I'm going to give you some information on now. I'm going to read it out um, directly from the email that was sent to me, just so I don't get the facts wrong. So the title of the event is Photo Magazines Across the British Empire and Commonwealth, uh, 1930 to 1965. And um, that's going to be held at the... A University of Cardiff, and that is in Cardiff in uh, South Wales. Uh, registration is now open, it says, for our one-day research workshop. Um, and it's an in-person event in Cardiff on Friday the 22nd of September. It won't be uh, streamed online, uh, so you're going to have to make your way down there. But it will be a free event, so maybe that's a good thing if you are down in the South in South Wales area or in the southwest of England. I know a lot of you who listen are. Anyway, uh, you can go to Eventbrite, and I'll um, be putting this out on our social media channels so you can look for it there. So look out on Eventbrite, uh, photo magazines across the British Empire Commonwealth, 1930, as I say, to uh, 1965. And there's some really interesting uh, talkers as part of the event. Just to give you a brief idea, uh, Martin Jolly is talking about cameraman, the photographs in Australia's Man magazine in the 1930s. Kevin Foster is talking about educating every man, pics and the Second World War. Uh, Elizabeth Edwards is the chair, who's a fellow of the British Academy. Uh, Richard Volks, who's at the University of Western Australia, is talking about picturing the Pearl in the Uganda Review. Uh, Chris Morton, who's from the Pitt Rivers Museum in Oxford, the photographic construction of welfare colonialism, I should say. Can't even say it, let alone do it. Uh, Nigeria Magazine. Um, Darren Newbury from Brighton will be talking about good, slick picture magazine. U.S. Visual Diplomacy and the Appeal to African Audiences. Uh, I will be talking about Creative Camera Magazine, and I suppose one of my heroes, in a sense, Bill J. And I'll be talking about the idea of how it was a platform for South African photographers documenting apartheid in the early 1960s. Lots of other people talking. Uh, one that a lot of you may be interested in is Amanda Hopkinson, who will be talking about Gertie Deutsch to Grace Robinson, how the two early women photographers on Picture Post approached, approached issues of race, diversity, poverty and society. So there you go. Uh, lots of things to look into there. Looks like being a great day. Uh, and it's all for free.
I will also be giving a talk at the Royal Photographic Society in October about AI. And uh, that's a two-day event. I'm hoping that one will be live streamed, but I'll give you full information about that when I get it in a few weeks' time. Uh, some really good speakers there as well. does seem to be the autumn is the uh, the time of year when some of these really exciting and interesting talks and events take place. Uh, there's also BOP, which is the big uh, photo book event uh, happening in Bristol. So I'll give you information about all of those um, when I get them. But uh, don't forget to follow us on Threads or on uh, X, I suppose we should say. Um, on Threads, for me, is the place I'd love to see you. That's at UN of photo. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook and of course you can follow us and you can look at stuff by subscribing to the website at uh, www.unitednationsofphotography.com I have to say that autumn is my favourite time of the year. I'm not a big fan of the heat, and it's certainly warm in the shed today as I'm recording this episode. Uh, it's been really hot this week in the UK. Uh, it's what we call summer, but it only lasts uh, for seven days. Thank goodness for me, I have to say. But anyway, I love autumn. I love everything about it. I like the cool, chilly mornings, the early morning mists, and all of that kind of stuff. But I also really enjoy that idea of going back and starting again after the summer, that idea of kind of rebirth. And I, and I really feel that with projects um, that I'm working on and so forth. And I am actually uh, working on another project, which I haven't yet spoken to you about, um, which is a real sort of a tangential thing. And I'll bring you up to speed with that um, probably over the coming months and weeks. I don't know. But the Condé Nast the History of Vogue Housebook that I spoke about at the beginning of the year is coming to fruition. Cover's looking great. The book's all getting proofed. And that will be uh, on sale in uh, late February 2024. So there's another exciting thing to look forward to. Well, we started uh, this particular episode with my favourite poem about my favourite time of the year. That's Ode to Autumn by John Keats. So why don't we just finish off with a few lines from that. And full-grown lambs loud bleat from hillybourn, hedge crickets sing, and now with treble soft, the redbreast whistles from a garden croft, and gathering swallows twitter in the skies. It's not your average photo podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Take care. Mm-hmm.